Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Friday, May 22nd. Let's cock-a-doodle do it right here on the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And, Kevin, I can't believe this. We are going into Memorial Day weekend. We have been on pause for the better part of two or three months. I kid you not, Kevin. And, you know, I don't want to get off the rails like within 10 seconds, but I think Mm. you may know this. I got married at the end of February, literally leap year. February 29th, okay, in Jamaica. Then we had a party here in New York City the following Friday, March 6th. You know the after party for that was the last time I was in a bar, Kevin? March 6th was the last time I'm in a bar, and now it's coming up on Memorial Day weekend, and I'm ready Mm. to have a cold one with some friends to celebrate (laughs) the beginning of summer. I just don't know if we truly are going to be able to do so, but uh, it feels like summer a little bit, huh, Kev? Yeah, I'm, it could it could be a little warmer. I think. Uh, I think I think that would be nice. Does it count being at Versa to work as the last time I, I was know, in a I bar? I thought about that. I thought about that. I was having this conversation with my wife literally earlier this week, and I was like, "Yeah, let you count me going to the studio." I don't think so. You know, I, I really don't. But it yeah. has been months. We are starting to open up. There's conversations about beaches here. There's conversations we talked about earlier in the week about states opening up for large scale team events, and it's. Sounds like when we turn the calendar page to June, we are really going to start getting close. But here on SportsGrid and the early line, as you know, the NFL is king. And so I wanted to give you uh, time to react to a couple of stories that I found. And then we will continue our team-by-team previews. We finished up with the AFC South today. We start off on the NFC South. We've been talking about Cam Newton. We'll talk about his old team, the Carolina Panthers, a little bit later on in the show. But I wanted to ask you what I saw about this. Listen, remember how we were talking about these running backs that are still um, out there and can be had? And we were trying to connect the dots. Your Philadelphia Eagles is one team that may be in the running. Well, it looks like the Seattle Seahawks have declared themselves as in the market for a running back as well. In the last 24, 48 hours, I've heard that A, they're talking to Carlos Hyde, and B, that they have extended an offer to another running back that you and I have talked about a lot, Mr. Devontae Freeman. So Mm -hmm. I ask you, once again, to put your GM hat on. What's your priority here, Hyde or Freeman, and do you like the potential marriage here? So this is really interesting. Reportedly, uh, Devonta Freeman was offered around $4 million by the Seahawks and turned that down. And that is a bit jarring to me. The $4 million deal for him sounds pretty solid. And to turn it down, you then have to think, right, that Freeman feels that four million's pretty off the mark, right? Like you have to there's think something that, better out there for him. Yeah. He he has to be because like I think if he was expecting five, you take four, it's been a long enough wait, good organization. Right, right. I feel like you make that decision. So I'm I'm curious if that means Devonta Freeman, because that's one of the questions I've asked you a bunch of times, knowing that you don't actually have the exact answer, but just you know, kind of talking out loud is well, what is Devonta Freeman's asking price here? Like, what is the situation? And I think we are probably seeing that. He is maybe expecting six, seven, eight million dollars. It's and, crazy. Listen, Melvin Gordon yeah. got nine right from Denver. Austin Eckler, who you and I both like, got an average got a contract from the Chargers with an AAV of like six million a year. Mm-hmm. So where is there more money out there for Freeman? I'm not so sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he should have took the four million and be very because like it's four million dollars to be yeah. to go to a, a, a team that's going to be very competitive. Like they'll they'll likely throw you some work. I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't. So I'm surprised to see that Devonta Freeman, you know, go the Jadavion Clowney route. Um, and yeah. in terms of Carlos Hyde, you know, they they you know it's him, I guess maybe versus Marshawn Lynch for this idea of a goal line back. But those are all things that Chris Carson can do. Um, I guess the to me the biggest thing was realizing that Rashad Penny is a potential pup candidate. 
Yeah, I think that is the truth. You know, Penny's still not maybe, they don't expect him to be ready to go. And this is the thing. We're going to start to hear these uh, examples right now as potentially training camps open. I would also say this. I think you're right. The idea of, like, Hyde and Freeman, whichever one of them does land in Seattle, because, in my opinion, one of them will, then I think the other one becomes the front runner to land the job probably in Philly with your Eagles, if you think about it, right? When you think about the remaining names still out there, right? And it sounds like Philly has reached out to these dudes, including Shady McCoy. It looks like Seattle. These are giving me the tea leaves of the teams that are still in the market to get a veteran running back. And it looks like Seattle and Philly are, t- are chief among them. Yeah, it's interesting to see how it plays out, though, right? Because I don't think there's a world where the Eagles bring Marshawn Lynch in. That Fair. does feel like a Seattle or bus situation. Sure, for Lynch, yes. And if then Seattle ends up going with Carlos Hyde, who we have seen the Eagles link to, yeah. I don't know if Devonta Freeman is... The I just... Well, mainly because they're not going to give him more than $4 million. That's right. not happening, right? And in fact, they might even come under four by basically saying, you misplayed your hand. It wouldn't surprise me. I think, you know, we've seen that in certain spots where, you know, sometimes an athlete will misplay their hand here. Um... It's interesting. Yeah, I guess you could say the, the loser goes to Philly, but I I mean, we've talked about it. I'm high on the outlook of Miles Sanders. I oh, don't yeah. view that as a situation where they desperately need to add another back. They, sh- they can add another back. It's always good to have more running backs in the backfield. But I don't look at the Eagles' depth chart and go, okay, running back, man, like it's got to be on its way. All right, fair enough, but definitely something to keep an eye on, you know, because what does that mean? Like you said, for Miles Sanders, I've also been intrigued. I've been talking about Seattle as a place for potential running backs. I even thought they may draft a running back. We're getting more news. It looks like Penny may not be ready to go. But don't forget, Carson got a serious injury towards the end of last Mm. year as well. And has he ever really proven himself to be, like, the man in Seattle? So I do think that there's going to be an addition to that running back room. You know, yesterday, Kev, we talked about the Miami Dolphins, right, a little bit. Preston Williams... We talked about Devontae Parker and his beef. You know, I saw another piece of news, this time about the Jets, where um, there's a lot of buzz about their tight end, Chris Herndon. Okay, this is a guy who last year was a lot of buzz. Maybe he was going to be a breakout tight end. Then he was hurt. He was suspended. And it never really came to fruition. We're starting to hear the same kind of buzz about Herndon again, okay, Mm -hmm. that he's going to, like, set the world on fire. They can't wait to, quote, unquote, unleash Herndon in this offense. And I was like... Chris Herndon? Eh, come on. But then I got thinking about it. In that division, Kevin, we're talking about guys like Preston Williams, right, and Mike Gesicki. When I go to Buffalo, I'm talking about guys like Smoke Brown, Dawson Knox, and Singletary. Like, eh, okay, does it really move the needle? We talked even last year about the Patriots um, being somewhat bereft of weapons and outside talent for Tom Brady, right? I understand there's Julian Edelman, but I actually think he gets a benefit because of working with Tom Brady. I want to ask you, who do you think has the best skill position talent Mm. in the AFC East? You know, if you put the running backs and the wide receivers together of the Jets, of the Bills, of the Pats, and of the Dolphins, who, if you were a defensive coordinator, who scares you the most? I honestly don't know. I I guess if I have to choose, it would have to be Buffalo after bringing in Diggs. Because of Diggs? I think that would have to be the deciding factor here because as I as I like when we're talking right solely based on talent. Yeah. The Patriots last year, we saw it and the situation has not changed. This is not a great group of skill players. Right, we're talking about Edelman and like Sony Michelle. Yeah. Like right now we're talking about Diggs and what, Singletary as like the top two? Yeah, but like John Brown was very good last year. And I think like that's kind of part of it like the for me Chris Herdon's value was basically just being able to trade him to a Jet fan in a home league like you know what I mean and why aren't the Jets the answer with two words Le'Veon Bell is Bell is in my opinion stronger than anybody else you can name in that division so like this point I might take digs really this point I might take digs if I lined up all the weapons in the AFC East and you had to have a schoolyard pick. Your mm-hmm. first pick is Stefan Diggs over a Julian Edelman, over a Devontae Parker, over a Le'Veon Bell. 
Yeah, I think so. I think huh? I think Stefan Diggs would come in as the number one. And then when you go to a team's number two, I mean, John Brown was as good, if not the best wide receiver in the division last year. Like, I know Parker had his moments, and I know Julian Edelman is Julian Edelman. But now he's without Tom Brady. So I just think it's interesting because if you zoom back at it, honestly, I wonder, because we've been talking about the AFC and those playoff teams. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if this is a division where we actually are going to wind up having a lot of teams at seven, eight, and nine wins. You know what I mean? Because I don't know that there's any team that really scares the true contenders of the AFC based I, on, like, okay, I'll give you Stefan Diggs, but eh. It's basically where the Patriots have been Gonzaga for 20 years, except they actually win. So then we're like, well, they win the whole thing. But, like, because we've talked, like, the value in a buy, is almost impossible to truly explain. It has been the most valuable thing to have in the run to a Super Bowl. And then, of course, home field, which they almost always have because they have consistently just been 5-1 and one in division, where they have some weird slip in Miami or the Jets catch him and Eric Decker's the man. It all, right, because Belichick decides to kick off in the starting overtime for a reason that nobody will ever understand. Like, so I think it's... It's difficult, and it's probably a part of the reason why right now you still see the Patriots favor to win this division because yeah. people feel like they don't know anything else. But I can confidently tell you, especially based on the value of it all, I would bet all three other teams before I would be laying money on the Patriots to, to win that division. No, I think you're right, especially when you talk about the different value of it, right? But the more and more I think about this division, the more and more I think, huh, this could be something of a nondescript division when it comes offensively, especially when I think about the talent that's there. I would still push back on you. I think Le'Veon Bell is the most talented skill position player in that division. Like, if I had to bet a sum of money that I believed in about which one skill position player would be a pro bowler, you know, this year, I do think Le'Veon Bell would be at the top of my list. I'm going to tell you something, Kevin. One team that we know is not bereft of weapons is a team that we're going to dig into today, the Carolina Panthers, right? We're going to do what we usually do about Carolina in this hour, or what we usually do with teams in this hour. We'll look at their hall and, you know, even new head coach Matt Rule knew that they had weapons aplenty. Why? Because he used every single draft pick the organization had on the defensive side of the ball. They give Christian McCaffrey money. They go out and bring in one of these Jets' former weapons in Robbie Anderson. So we're going to be looking at that. I think there's a, you know, a turning of the page has happened in Carolina. This is not Ron Rivera and Cam Newton. This is Matt Rule and Ted. Bridgewater. We're going to talk about if you would have given that money to Christian McCaffrey, if the Panthers deserve to have the lowest win total in the NFC South. And then, of course, we find value with the Carolina Panthers going game by game. And otherwise, we are off and running on a Memorial Day weekend Friday. Let's get it in. We're going to give you the edge. Come on right back. This is the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the early line on SportsGrid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we continue our team-by-team -team look so that we can find some value in the upcoming NFL season. Today, we look at the Carolina Panthers. And I'm intrigued by what the new regime is doing, Kevin. You know what I mean? This is a situation where we have a, a kind of, of a new owner even, mm -hmm. right? Tepper with that new money building the practice bubble, trying to turn the page a little bit. New head coach, uh, new French face of the franchise, right? So there's a lot of newness in Carolina. And I would also say, it's not only their draft, but in free agency, they made some moves, right, Kev? I mean, there's new mm -hmm. starting quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, new wide receiver and Robbie Anderson, adding to what may become a fantasy herd at the pass catching position for Carolina. And then, of course, committing the money to extend Christian McCaffrey, all of those things with the skill positions, right? Key offensive players. Then in the draft, they just went all in on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I thought the defense, uh, the, the draft strategy was fascinating. Mm. They literally, it was all defensive players, not like mostly right. defensive players, not all but one. 
every single pick was a defensive player. And I kind of like that strategy. I think when you look at what their offseason looked like there with signing Teddy Bridgewater and bringing in Joe Brady, who's supposed to be now the mastermind of this offense, I think that I kind of I kind of get it, right? Give Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater a year to see what works with this offense before you start drafting players to kind of fit the system. Or spending and, money. Yeah, bring in as much defensive talent as you possibly can for, you know, year one Matt Rule, who's supposed to be handling that side of the ball. Now, the players they took, personally, I thought the Derek Brown pick, I, I did not like, okay? Um, now, some people will tell you that's because I had Derek Brown over seven and a half draft position. But that is not uh, why I made that bet, because I did not think that that was a good pick for the Panthers, especially with Isaiah Simmons on the board, as with Luke Keekley retiring, which is a massive part of this football team's offseason. I think the biggest move that they made was bringing in Joe Brady because of the hype that he has following LSU, the excitement that exists around what he can potentially do. But I will say, Dane, it's a very dangerous proposition. Because what we know about today's NFL is the good offensive minds don't stay offensive coordinators. Uh, this is not college football, right? Like, um, you know, Brett Venerable, who just stays at D.C. at Clemson, like, this is, like, that's not happening. So, to me, it's a dangerous rope that they're walking with Joe Brady. Because very quickly, he can become more valuable to you than Matt Rule. And unless they really build this whole college type of system in Carolina— he very well can find himself not, you know, maybe after this season's a stretch, but after two seasons, we could easily see Joe Brady moving on, and then we're kind of left almost in disarray. Are we really, though, in disarray? Because Matt Rule was such a sought-after name that the Carolina Panthers thought it was okay to, you know, pay that buyout. You know, he had a huge buyout out of Baylor, right? And I mean... You know, so you talk about Joe Brady, and yes, he moves the needle, was with the Saints, you know, got Joe Burrow and the LSU to the national championship. But Matt Rule is also like this hot offensive mind, no? So I think it's interesting that all the uh, all the kind of uh, reputation and uh, kind of uh, lauding of one coach coming in is Brady. What about Matt Rule? Can he be an offensive genius? If I'm not mistaken, Matt Rule, you know, more so made his money on the defensive side of the ball with that Baylor Bears team. Mm. So... I think it's kind of supposed to be almost this 50-50 split. I, I liken it to uh, a reverse of Sean McVay and Wade Phillips. And Wade Phillips, uh, okay. How they handled things um, with the Rams, which would be an interesting kind of way to see these things play out. You know, it's, it's really fascinating, right? Like, they just signed Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but, like, do you feel like that, that they want him to be their long-term plan for their franchise quarterback? They've already been linked to... Uh, liking the 2021 crop of quarterbacks. Right. No, I hear what you're saying. Um, and remember that we played all the kind of like quarterback game a little bit yesterday. I think they are, um, they are hopeful, right? Mm -hmm. But they're also, they didn't give Teddy B a deal that they can't get out of. You know what I mean? So I, I think that they are hopeful, but we don't know necessarily. And they're going to give him a chance in a great position with familiarity with Brady, but it's not like, you know, uh, cost prohibitive for them to get out of the deal or to go ahead and still be shopping in a year or two if they see um, that he can't fit the scheme or be the guy who they think he is. Let me tell you some of the lines here with the Carolina Panthers. All right, Kev? So it's interesting because the last team we did was the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were at five, but we were talking about them like they were just like complete blunt guts trash, right, and dog poo. Um, however, the Carolina Panthers are five and a half as their win total. They are also, if you remember, in that market to have the worst record in the NFL. Um, their no to make the playoffs is minus 550. When I look at them to win even just their division, they're the last choice at 14 to 1 to even win their division. So I look at these numbers, these odds, it's very similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but yet I do believe that the Panthers are ahead of Jacksonville, have more talent. I like their, where they're going. Um, would you be willing to be bullish on the Panthers? Do you think they can get over five and a half? Do you think they could put it together and maybe make a playoff run? How would you, uh, how would you bet futures bets with Carolina so, Panthers? 
It's tough to say. And let me clear up. I might be wrong with the whole Matt Rule defensive thing. Because I know he had he, he had a previous stint as an offensive coordinator. But I think those Baylor teams might have just had a better defense this past year. Uh, yeah, that's fine. I think he's an offensive run. mind as well. But Right. Ahead. Yeah, I think I think um, I, I kind of spoke right. there. But I wanted to clear that up. When it comes to this team specifically, I really struggle. They won five games last year. And I think yeah, that was with Kyle Allen, right? That's my point. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Teddy Bridgewater should be an upgrade. And they added a number of pieces to the defensive side of the ball. Right. And they brought in Robbie Anderson. They traded for Russell Okun. The thing is, I typically don't like to get behind a first-year head coach. And that would kind of be my concern. But, I mean, five and a half is – it's not a tall mountain to climb. And it's wow. tough to say because a part of me wanted to think, oh, they – you know – They'd like to tank. I don't think it's that they like to tank. I think that it's comparable to maybe John Gruden. There's no fear of it, or there's no fear of losing. You got, you know, you got a ten-year contract, Gruden, right? right. So we always said he could do whatever he wants. Matt yeah. Rule, like you mentioned, they pay the buyout. They, you know, he's here so for yeah, <laughs> for a while, right? Like he's here for a while now, and if the things doesn't work out, Teddy Bridgewater, cool. Like we're he, hopefully then yeah. we can draft one of Lawrence or Fields. You know, your boy from yeah, North Dakota yeah. State that you, yep. um, you know, Trey like to Trey Lance, baby, Trey Lance. So I, th- I think that's why right now, like, on its face, that five and a half, I, I can't find myself pulled because I could easily see them getting over that. Yeah. But I could also see a world where they are a, you know, three, four. What about team. the fact that the division got better? You know, Tampa Bay got better. There's two games right there. The Saints will still be there, right? Like, I don't know. If you ask me right now, I could see them easily going one and five in their division. You know, and that's not that's not a uh, that kind of puts you behind the eight ball as well. Are there any other markets that you're intrigued by? Right. Um, Derek Brown, defensive rookie of the year, for example, Christian McCaffrey, MVP votes or anything like that. Are there any other um, kind of props or, you know, other ways to skin the cat? Because it sounds like maybe you lean over five and a half. We'll test the theory in a couple of minutes. But are there any other um, markets that could be interesting to you? You know, it's like, a great, for it's example, a... Christian McCaffrey is the first non-quarterback, you know, mm. listed, I believe. Um, hmm, Michael Thomas is in there, too. But he's 50 to 1. To win the yeah, MVP. which is good, but he won't hit, right? Like, he's not right. going to be the MVP. He's just not. They'd have to win the division pretty much. Okay. And what's the odds for this team to win the division? I mean, that – because I – They're the last choice. Which is not going to happen also because there's not a world to me where everything – like, how does a whole division crumble like that? Like, I don't see how that necessarily plays out, and I think that's what's necessary for the Panthers, right? Like, we'll have – you know, we're going to get to go through the schedule, but this what's the ceiling for this team wins-wise? Like, this feels like it's – I mean, at best, a nine-win team is – like – or could Matt Rule and Joe Brady be, you know, Take the league by storm. just, you know, surprise everybody? Is it going to be Bay or is it going to be Kingsbury or something different, you know? Yeah, it's, it is. So what are their odds to make the playoffs? So to make the playoffs, the no is minus 550. Um, so the yes is a big time plus number. But if you like that, just bet the over five and a half and be safe. Of course. No, no 100%, right? It's. But it's also like, oh, could I get to a point where I can talk myself into that nice plus right. number, right? Because they have to have one of the worst odds then, right, to make the playoffs, lowest odds to make the playoffs. In the yeah, NFL I'll check the plus number. I also want to remind you here that, you know, there's MVP props. There's also AP Offensive Player of the Year. And that's an award that sometimes goes to a non-quarterback. Okay, yeah. that's how they sometimes split the bill, right? And McCaffrey is the third choice for that award at 13 to 1 behind only Mahomes and Lamar. I'll get you the yes playoffs in a second, but what are you, you know, what are you thinking here? I I don't I just don't see the value with McCaffrey because he didn't win it last year because it was Michael Thomas. Right. And I'm not expecting Michael Thomas to, to make the playoffs. Yeah, plus not, 380 yes to make the playoffs. It's a big plus number. I'm excited to kind of run through the schedule, right? But one of the things that we know is, you know, you have to try and identify your surprise team. Right. right. And that's kind and of what we're doing in this exercise, you know? Exactly. Like, we're trying to figure right. out, like, oh, who catches us by surprise and, and what have you. I think the awards are, are pretty interesting, though, right? Because there's nothing there for Teddy Bridgewater that, like, is Teddy Bridgewater a comeback player of the year option? 
uh, as like a, as going back to becoming a starter. I don't know. Like he was seven and zero last year as a starter. Like that's the other thing. Like he was seven and zero as a starter right, not last a year. Comeback story necessarily, right? And I think that's an interesting take. What I'll also say because we'll, we will go game by game um, on the other side of the break. But this division has also had a history of teams literally going worse to first. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, and remember, I mentioned um, the idea of on a previous show that the number one running back in fantasy has not repeated in multiple years. So this idea of, um, you know, CMC just automatically doing it again. You know, I I may throw some cold water on that. No, I do not see Teddy Bridgewater in the comeback player of the year award um, listed at all. So here's what we're going to do. Let's take a break, all right, because I know we're trying to find the right value, but to get a greater context for this team, we're going to look at their schedule. So when we come Where's back... rule coach of the year? Just to double-check so we have our awards basis. Yeah, yeah, covered. yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Because... Coach of the year, Matt Rule, I do not see him. Well, I mean, I guess they're going to list everybody, right? Matt Rule is way down there. He's at 30-1 to 1, um, all the way on the bottom. All yeah. the way on the bottom. He's at the same level as guys that we've been talking about might get fired early. He's at the same level as Matt Nagy, uh, Patricia, Zach Taylor, and oh, Joe boy. Judge are at the same no. number. So I don't think that that is the way. Let's do this. We'll go game by game. We'll see what their schedule looks like. We've given you the context of the bets you could make. When we come back, we'll go through this schedule, see where Kevin has them winding up, and then circle back to where is the value and who are our diamonds and fugazis. The spotlight is on the Carolina Panthers on this edition of the Early Line. Come on right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin digging deep today into the Carolina Panthers. And by the way, if you are new, to the early line or new to sports grid, go on back into our older episodes. We've already done this exercise with every team in the AFC North, in the NFC North, and with the AFC South. Today, we start the NFC South. We are giving you the roster reset. We're giving you the way too early lines. There's always ways to skin this cat and make some money in the futures market. So remember, it's five and a half. That yes bet to make the playoffs is plus 350. For them to win the division is like 14 to one. But Kevin has an inkling that maybe they could be a team that surprises some people, right? There's one team every year that has some newness to it that yeah. gets out of the gate in the right way. I'm with you, Kevin. I don't generally, as a rule of thumb, I don't like to lean to the new head coach and I'm gonna all the new quarterback. And I'm gonna also tell you something for this year, I think it's even harder. Kevin, right? Because they don't have the time together like right now. Remember, this virtual offseason program is happening. So we don't have as much time for the, you know, team culture or the team offense to be installed. So I think yeah. it actually puts them a little bit behind the eight ball. I may be lower on the Panthers than you, but there's only one way to find out. They open at home, all right, with the Vegas Raiders coming to town. I guess that's them flying west to east for a <laughs> one o'clock start. But, you know, they could have taken however long they wanted to to get there and get them body clocks uh, kind of situated. Mm. Do you think they win their home opener with the Raiders coming to town? So I told you a while back, right? I'm like, oh, I'm going to try and pick 256. But then I yep. realized how stressful this exercise is for me on air. And I'm like, am I going to really ruin my off-air time doing this? However, I did give it a whirl. Like, I got through some of week one. And this was a game that I did have a selection on. And in, uh, you know, one of the things that stood out to me is Gruden uh, has played, you know, a full season's worth of road games. He's 3-13 and 13 on the road. And bringing him to the East. Remember last year when the Raiders showed up to play the Jets? And the yeah. Jets looked like the best team. They in the laid world. an egg. So I think the same me, thing happened with them when they went to London. For for me, I think I just I can't be on Gruden. Okay. On the road, traveling time zones. Right. So Panthers, so Panthers get, get, off, get a win. One start. Panthers get a win. They start off. Then they got a two game road trip back to back. They go to Tampa to see Tom Brady. Yeah, no, tough spot. Can't. That's can't a spot. loss. Then they fly to Los Angeles to see the Chargers. 
Oh, no, no. Too much of a travel, right? For back-to-back, the back road, the back-to-back road games, and that's a loss. You have them as one and two. They come back home where my, our team, Kyla Murray and the Cardinals, are waiting for mm. them. See, that's, see, I think, like, this is a really good kind of, like, yeah. litmus test, right? Like, the yes. idea that the Cardinals are going to ascend and be in the playoffs. Right. Yes, they got to win right? this game. If, you, they, if we think the Cardinals are as good, you know, almost like to take a quote from former Cardinals quarterback, Denny Green, if yeah. they are who we think they are, yeah. then gonna, you need to have the Cardinals winning this game, no? Yeah, and I'm going to go with Arizona because I'm right now working off the assumption that the weak point for Carolina will be the defensive side of the football. Okay. So I think right. that this, this offense... get exploited potentially, right? Yeah. And also going back to the Cardinals, remember this will be the first of their back-to-back-to-back road games. Remember the Cardinals have those three in a row on the road? This is the first of those. So if we're going to give Arizona any of them, we're going to give them this one. So you have the Panthers then at one and three. They go on the road in division to take on the Falcons in the Dome in week five. Yeah. In um, it's, it's, it's tough. I'm going to go with Atlanta. All right, you have them one and four. Then they come back home uh, to see Chicago coming to town. See, like that's the type of game that I can see them getting, where I think that they have enough on the offensive side of the football at home. I like them. Quite honest, maybe Mitchell Trubisky is still under center, as you know. Then they go in a tough spot on the road to the Superdome to see the Saints. Yeah, but remember though, this is a division matchup for these guys, right? It sure is. And and like Teddy's going to be having all the fields going back to New Orleans. Like, he was a very, very important piece of that Brady team. probably knows that offense, you know? Very well. No, I, I, th- I think that's a good point. And I think it's almost a shame. Like, if I'm the Panthers, I would have loved to see the Saints week one. Because the I, Saints have this weird thing where they, like, week one get off to this awful start. And, um, but now we're, what is it, week six? Five is, or six? The Saints are their week seven matchup. They are week two and seven. four going into I, yeah. the Dome. At this point, the Saints have won four in a row, probably. Bad, right, Looks like right. the best offense in the league. So I'll uh, I'll give this one to the Saints. All right, so that means you have the Panthers going two and five. They return home and see the Falcons come into town. Remember, you had them losing at Atlanta, I believe. Yeah, I think they can get a split off Atlanta. All right, so that's them three and five in the first half of the season. All right. Then they go on the road. I think you have them losing in Arrowhead against Kansas City. Yeah, I'm not crazy. Right. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay, they play the AFC West, right? And that's road trips to the Chargers, road trips to the Chiefs. They got the, you know, the Raiders week one, but that's not easy travel, okay? Because they also, um, they were lucky in essence that Arizona came to them instead of like another trip out West, but I digress. So they get a loss in Arrowhead. They come back home and this is when Brady comes to town. Bucks at Panthers, week 10. Yeah, see, it's you know, it's like, a lot of good offenses I'm hearing here, huh? Yeah. A yeah. lot of good offenses. But this Carolina defense will continuously be tested, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll, I'll well, once again go with uh, Tampa Bay. All right. Uh, TB12 gets it done, making the Panthers 3-7 and seven after 10 weeks. Then they stay home. Okay, this could be a respite for them. The Detroit Lions come to town. Yeah. That's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a must-win type of game, right, for them? Yeah. It is. Uh, so we'll give it. We'll say they get it done. They go four and seven. Then they go on the road uh, to a dome. They see the Minnesota Vikings up in Minnesota. Vikings. I can very confidently pick the games that the Vikings are going to win, which is basically right. at home versus not the NFC North. Right. Oh, and by the way, the Panthers. Uh, just so you know, because I usually make this note, they only have one primetime game all mm. season. It's that we already talked about. It was their home game against uh, Atlanta, and that was okay. a Thursday nighter, but you gave them, I think, the home win. Yeah, I did. Atlanta already. So you have them at four and eight after 12 weeks. Then they have the late bye. Okay, their bye is week 13. The latest bye possible, getting maybe Christian McCaffrey fresh for the fantasy playoffs, entering week 14, and That's they bring a- in the... Yeah, that's, that's a an good fantasy point, playoff right? note. And let's huh? think about this, right? So he's on bye, and then look at the defenses for the next three games. These are the fantasy playoffs. So if you're looking at a Christian McCaffrey, okay, I'll reel it more for you. It's home against Denver, at Green Bay, and at Washington. Okay, so think about those defenses. Those are all, to me, 
average to slightly above average defenses. We've been oh. talking about that Washington front seven. We know about the Denver defense. Green Bay may take a little step of a back defensively, but what do you say the Panthers do here? Home for Denver, and then on the road, Green Bay and Washington. I think they go one and two here, uh, or maybe two and one. What do you got? So home for Denver home for off Denver. the bye. Correct. Right? So that's yes. a win. All right. Then they go Fine. to Green Bay. To Green Bay. That's a loss. Fine. And now they're traveling once again to Washington? From Green Bay to Washington, week 16. Ron Rivera revenge game? It sure is. But also, you know, the new hey, guard. guess what? I don't think Dwayne Haskins will be the quarterback there anymore by then. Could See, it be Allen? Oh, Could it be Cam effing Newton by then? I'm going to go with Carolina. You're going to give him a win. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. In their last game of the season, I don't think you're going to give them a win on this one. They finish off uh, at home, but against them, Nolan Saints. Yeah, I will give the, the Saints that victory. But, of All course, right. that, you know, the Saints are one of those teams that are competing. It's right. weird. Like, can, you, can you even, like, remotely attempt to calculate that when you would say do a team's win total? Is that, okay, the Saints are projected, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember if it's them or the Niners exactly, but okay. projected to have the best record in the NFC. and if they do, then maybe this week doesn't matter to them. I don't buy you know that. They- I don't buy that because, listen, they, for, for Week 17, they would need to have a two-game lead for it to not sure. matter, right? In the universe where the Saints are 12-3 and three entering that game and call it your Philadelphia Eagles are 11-4. and four, they- Sure. It depends because yeah. they will play the Niners, right? So, so just on what other team the Saints – you know, I just think that's a lot of assumptions to make, Kevin, right? I, no, I agree. I'm, I, that's why I'm asking. I think I yeah, agree. I, that would not, I would not factor that in, especially this year when there's only one buy instead of two, right? To me, that increases the chances that teams will be fighting um, and competing for positioning, especially given the fact that there's only one buy. It is interesting that the Saints um, are their last team. I think they're it's possible. It's more possible than, say, if it was the damn Falcons, right? I get it. But I do think it's too many assumptions to string together to have that actually impact um, your projections on this game. You know what you have the Panthers going? Remember the context of their win total being five and a half. Six wins, maybe? You got them going six and ten. All right. So to me, I ain't betting yes plus 350 with a team that you got six and ten. I don't know if I'm touching the win total either. Kev, is this a pass for you now? Yeah, it ha- I think it. Ha- I think it has to be. I believe that you know, there's a there's just so many good offenses that this team's going to be playing. Right. That I think when we you know probably next segment kind of get into the fantasy, uh, you know, diamonds and fugazi, it's, it's it's going to be kind of interesting to you know just kind of think about what that could then mean for this team that really could be behind the eight ball all, quite a bit. Like I know they added a number of pieces to the defensive side of the football in the draft. But they lost James Bradbury and Luke Keekley during yeah. this offseason. I think that this defense is going to be tested. So when you talk about having to play just the the South of itself, right, the projections for the top 12 offenses in the league, could you argue that three teams from this division have three of the top 12 in the league? You like, could make that argument, absolutely, and I don't think anybody would say boo against you. Right, yeah. and, then they, and they have, you know— Arizona, uh, Kansas City, they they have to see. Kansas City, the Chargers, there's a you know, that division out west. Remember what look what Denver has done. Yeah, it's it's a heavily uh, so let's put it this way, I'm fading the Carolina Panthers defense in yeah. fantasy, right? Not yeah. to say that we necessarily would be there. And I got to tell you the other thing. Remember, we put up uh, a tweet from our boy Mike Florio who used to be with us um, a couple of shows back where the number one running back or point getter in fantasy has not repeated itself in the yeah. last decade, right? So, you know, what does that mean for Christian McCaffrey? You know, do you think in this offense, you know, and we'll get into the Diamonds and Fugazis, you know, in about on the other side of this break, mm-hmm. but I'm almost, I'm almost kind of like talking through with you, is there a universe where McCaffrey is a Fugazi? Relatively Shh. speaking, I know sure. he's a first-round pick, right? Many people will take him number one overall. I personally would not. If I'm staring at the number one overall pick, the name out of my mouth is not Christian McCaffrey. If you want to know who it is, find out on Twitter or you can ask me. But (laughs) um, for a number of reasons. 
One, new head coach changing offense. Two, they've added guys like Robbie Anderson to the passing game, right? Um, I think it's going to be more of a passing offense. And three, and this sounds crazy, if the Carolina Panthers are, you know, 5-10 and ten or whatever the case may be, sometimes players that are true workhorses, what happens to them in December, Kevin? They get shut down. Mm. And I am not going to take my first round pick getting shut down in my fantasy semifinals when my, his real team is, you know, four and ten. And, you know, he's been nursing injuries and they need to keep him fresh because they just signed him to a mega deal. I'll ask you to think about that context when we come back, when we look at diamonds and fugazis for the Carolina Panthers. This is the early line on SportsGrid. We're giving you the edge. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin taking a deep look at the Carolina Panthers, who, you know, did a lot of things in the offseason. You know, cast aside franchise quarterback Cam Newton in favor of Teddy Bridgewater, re-sign Christian McCaffrey to, in essence, be the new franchise player, right, for the next, I think it's four years, $64 million, if I am not mistaken. And, you know, bringing in Robbie Anderson, spending all of their draft capital on the defensive side of the ball, and then, you know, bringing in a new brain trust with Rule and, of course, Joe Brady, who gets a lot of fanfare for his recent work in New Orleans with the Saints and, of course, with LSU in college last year. We had them going 6-10. and 10. So here's the deal, Kevin. You know, they're going to be down in a lot of games, right? They're not mm. going to... Christian McCaffrey is not the kind of, you know, run out the clock, park the bus back anyway. So the game flow doesn't really upset it. Um, who are you looking at to have kind of a breakout for the Carolina Panthers or at least overperform their draft position? Man, it's um, I think I might I think I might see DJ Moore on a couple of my rosters now. A lot of these conversations can be ADP dependent, yeah. right? And if but, I told you where his ADP is, you may rethink it. But go ahead. Well, I was just going to basically say last year he put up solid production with a shaky quarterback room, True. and Teddy Bridgewater should at the minimum be able to give us the same. I know Robbie Anderson is there, and while right. he'll command some more targets, different kind of targets that can Fair. free up DJ Moore in different types of ways but yeah. basically if he's aj brown wide receiver 10 i rescind everything i just said good because he's wide receiver 10 kevin hey what the <laughs> heck, okay literally right now we've have him dj moore ahead of juju smith schuster ahead of amari cooper ahead of old dell beckham and i would take adam Thielen, keenan allen and so these are guys i would take listen i'm all about dj moore i love the second, third year ascending wideout, right? Uh, whether that's a guy like Kenny Galladay or Chris Godwin or DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley, that's the type of wide receiver that I'm usually all in on, okay? But he's got a new quarterback. They've just added Robbie Anderson to that receiving room, so there will be targets fractured a little bit. Oh, and yeah, don't forget about the offensive MVP that's still there, right? So I like DJ Moore, but is he a wide receiver one, in your opinion? Maybe. He could right. be. But right. I didn't know I was going to have to pay for it that exact way. Yeah, you're going to have to pay. Let me try again. Let me try again. Mulligan. Mulligan. No, it's all what good. About, what about Teddy Bridgewater? Where, like, Because the whole thing is we like that's DJ Moore. We know how good McCaffrey is. Yeah, that's we intriguing. We talked about where they are as, as in terms of competition. They might be playing from behind a ton. You know that Robbie Anderson can take right. the top off of defense and find himself in the end zone. He's probably going like, I mean, he's going quarterback 10, right? And I'm going to lose no, my no, mind. No, no. He's, he's, <laughs> a, he's a second quarterback. He's quarterback 26 behind Minshew of yesterday. Behind Minshew, behind Darnold. You'd rather Teddy Bridgewater though, right? Yeah, over, over definitely over both of those guys. I... You know, like not the rivers behind Drew Locke. I'd rather have Bridgewater over Locke. I'd rather have Bridgewater over Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think there's just more volume there, right? Right, exactly. So maybe it sounds like Teddy B's a butler. (laughs) Is your uh, diamond in the rough? Yeah, I think so, right? Mr. Two Gloves himself. I got to think that there's it. See, the problem is, though, is trying to figure out that value, right? Yeah. Whether he's going 26 or 18, it doesn't matter if it's a one QB league. Basically, the only way to actually capitalize on that 
is your super flex two quarterback leagues, which then you can capitalize on, by the way. Like, there's, you know, because 26 is still not a starter. So yeah, you and think about this also, remember? We just talked about the great offenses that they're going to be playing all year, right? Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of situations where I can easily see scores of Panthers games being 24 to 10 in the second half, right? And that's volume for Teddy Bridgewater. That's McCaffrey out of the backfield. They're not turning the ball and handing it to McCaffrey off tackle in the second half when they're down by two scores, right? So I do think Teddy Bridgewater could be that kind of garbage time. Um, and I trust him a little bit more than, say, uh, you know, uh, Gardner Minshew. So I think that's a good diamond. I'll give you mine. Remember a couple days ago we were talking about the Tennessee Titans and my diamond was Jonu Smith, the tight end, mm -hmm. right? Uh, whatever, all my rationale that was there, insert the same thing for Ian Thomas of the Carolina Panthers. You know, young ascending tight end, right, with a huge veteran that was a piece of this offense at the tight end position, no longer there, right? For Tennessee, it was uh, Delaney Walker not there, so maybe John Smith takes a step. This team likes Ian Thomas, okay? And remember, Greg Olson is now gone, and that was a big piece of this offense, maybe in production, maybe also figuratively speaking, but it's the same theory. Remember, I told you that there are two tiers of tight ends that get us down to, like, tight end eight or nine, let's say, and then there's a big chunk of guys, and I told you I believed um, John U. Smith was in it. I believe Ian Thomas is in that as well. He's going right now as tight end 21. Oh, all wow. right. And I think he can return more value than that. I think he can wind up, you know, being tight end 13, 14, 15, something like that. Remember, it is touchdown dependent as well. And then when I think about the touchdown receivers for the Panthers, right? DJ Moore. He's a small man. I think about Curtis Samuel, small man. You know about Robbie as a stretching the field. So I think Ian Thomas could be a red zone target for this team. I'm not necessarily fishing in this pond for tight end. I think generally I'm going to go ahead and try to get one of the guys in the top few tiers. But if I strike out there, yeah, uh -huh. Ian Thomas is someone I could see looking at. So he's a little bit of a diamond for me. Do you, do you kind of try and tight end by committee at a certain point like because it's always difficult if you don't believe that it's worth taking one of the elite tight ends right but then you end up using two draft picks on tight end are you really then appropriately finding the value now my no um i believe tight end is becoming more and more of a valuable position in fantasy as we evolve to a passing league Kevin, you know, there are tight ends and there's now more and more tight ends yeah. where they're like a legitimate wide receiver and you need that week in, week out. Remember how I say touchdowns are fluky for the mm -hmm. tight end? And that's what happens after you get to the top eight or so tight ends. I am going to make it a bigger point to get someone in this area. For me, I draw the line at seven tight ends and for me the seventh tight end um you could disagree with me is someone like an evan ingram someone like a darren waller someone like a hunter henry i do not want a tight end lower than that caliber i want a week-to-week -week advantage at tight end or at least be able to compete even if my opponent has george kittle all right i think this yeah. is a huge area of growth in fantasy because tight ends are putting up numbers the good ones at least mm -hmm. so i'm more comfortable to wait on quarterback tight end i'm probably not going to go out there and get travis kelsey but as soon as the run starts i'll be part of it i don't want to be left out in the cold uh when it comes to the tight end position i'd much rather myself with zach Ertz than having to piece it together with you know mike gasecki and hayden hurst for yeah. example you know, and I think that is a distinct value add overall for your fantasy roster. Give me a fugazi then. All so, right, give me a fugazi. And, and, and this is somewhat of a fugazi, but it's kind of in place of it, of something that I've been trying to figure out with a buddy who I run a fantasy team with. We're coming yeah. off the championship season, and the award right. is you get to pick where you draft. But right. it's not just where you draft. You get to pick the first player overall and where you draft. So this has been going on for a couple of years in the league. So a lot of people will be like, all right, I'll pick six, 12-team league, I'll pick six. And last year, that person took Saquon Barkley. And my buddy and I have long agreed it's ridiculous. You can get the best player on the board at 12. Get the best player on the board at 12. That's what you absolutely need to do. So last year, we win, uh, and we are now going to pick 12th. But we get the first player on the board. And we've been going back and forth and trying to figure out, is it McCaffrey, who we did have last year, or is it 
Saquon Barkley, who, or, you know, whomever, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, whomever you want to list. And I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm looking for, from your perspective, right? Do you go with the guy who's usually going one, one, who is supposed to have maybe the highest floor and ceiling in football? Or is it like, "Ah, I don't want to get the guy that's not going to be able to repeat because nobody repeats as one, one. Right. I, I, you know, and this is harder to say, and, and, and my thinking has evolved on this a little bit, Kevin, and I think it's a great question. As I do this more and more, I've learned more and more to trust myself, to trust my gut, to trust myself, okay? I, in the last, you know, five years, have become a legit, like, fantasy expert here on this network and in other places, and I, part of the, the, the big difference for me is now, other people can have rankings, can have tiers or whatever, but mm-hmm. I trust that I know what I'm talking about and how it's going to play out. So I don't care if someone has them 1-1. One, one. I don't care if it's like, oh, they're not going to repeat. I'm not going to try and get too cute and get ahead of it and try to, like, beat the experts. I'm going to get my guys, the guys I like, the things guys I think are primed and ready to have good years. That's why I talk about things like offensive line play, Kevin. That's why I talk about things of overall situation. And there were years in between there where I was kicking myself and all the time, it would be like, you know what? I knew that, but I listened to someone else and made mm. that kind of pick. So for me, whoever you and your boy is, who you guys mm. truly believe, do it. Trust yourself. Yeah. That would be my opinion because I feel like all the time I go off others, you know, and that's what I say even to people who call into my show, hit me up on social media. Like, I can give you my thoughts. I can give you my rationale. I can give you my picks, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately... You're not outsourcing the decision-making to me, right? And what I've learned is to not completely outsource the decision-making to anyone else but my damn self and to, in essence, use these pieces of information Mm -hmm. as just data points to put in the pot. Um, So that would be my kind of overall recommendation. It's like, oh, these people say this, or I trust this person. Yeah, that's cool, but all that is is source data for you to ultimately make your own decision. And by the way, for me... I'm staring at number one this year. My pick is Saquon Barkley. Yeah, that's kind of we've we've been going back and forth between those two, and I think we're leaning a little bit towards Saquon. Just not really all that sure that McCaffrey is going to be able to kind of repeat. You know what I mean? Like, if you go out and tell me you're going to draft Ezekiel Elliott, what am I going to argue? If you tell me that you're going to draft Dalvin Cook, number one overall, where most people have him five or six, right? The biggest telling me. Dalvin Cook is my guy. I know I would never be able to get him in the second round. Mm. I think Dalvin Cook is going to be RB1. Then go ahead and draft Dalvin Cook. Or in this situation, if you have the number one pick, trade down or something like that. But even in that situation, okay, go with your gut. Yeah, someone will laugh at you or send you a text emoji at that time. Trust your gut. That's my number one answer. And the luxury that we've provided ourselves. When you pick 1-1, if you don't pick the best player in fantasy, you didn't get the best pick available. We're picking at 12. Saquon at 12, McCaffrey at 12, Zeke at 12, all of that is is, is a laughable concept. So that's why we have a a bit more of a luxury here, and that's why we're ensuring that we do pick at 12. Absolutely. So there you have it on the Carolina Panthers. We'll look at another team uh, down the road, but coming up in hour number two, we've got news and notes from Major League Baseball, from the NBA, and we've got Boom This Liga coming back. So we're bringing in our guy, Martino Puccio, to talk about it. Let's get some money out there in Germany. Hour number two of the early line is coming up. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 